Hey, this is Steve. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast again. I know it's been a long time. It's been almost a year. And if I would have kept that podcast going, the next in line race report would have been my first American Berkey Biner, which was a year ago, last year. So since the Berkey's coming up here next weekend, I thought I would go ahead and record the audio from last year's race report because I had it written up. I just never, never made the podcast of it. So I thought I'd kick that out. Um, if you noticed, I've, I've started putting some training reports back out and then live in the blog back up. I've actually put a new face on it. I'm working on some, some website updates with it. So uh, stay tuned. And if you're curious what the American Berkey Biner is about, because a lot of a lot of the stuff that I write about is is more cycling related. So if you don't know what it is, I was introduced to it by reading a book called Beyond Berkey Fever. A friend or coworker in the past had lent it to me. That was that was my introduction to it. It was an entertaining read. It was a good read. Uh, Give me a kind of a fun intro to to the Berkey and skiing, and uh, I recommend checking it out. And with that said, I actually have an affiliate link on the podcast notes page and at the bottom of the written race report. So check it out through that affiliate link. I'll get a little kickback through Amazon. Much appreciated. Otherwise, enjoy the audio of the race report. So from my understanding, the American Berkey Biner is the largest and longest ski race in the U.S. It's also part of the World Lopet, and racers do travel in from all over the world for the American Berkey Biner. The skate race, which is what I raced in, is 50 kilometers, and it's hilly. For those that have done the Czech 40, the Schwabagon 40 Fat Tire Festival race uh, that starts in downtown Hayward and finishes at Telemark Resort in Cable, uh, you'll be familiar with much of the course as the Czech 40 actually rides part of the Berkey ski course, but in the opposite direction. A note that I put in my race report last year when I was writing it up is just know that when the Check 40 dumps out on some fire lanes and gravel roads, the Berkey course is still going up and down those hills. And you can see the elevation profile in my written race report, which is in the show note links. There were 3,654 people in the 50K skate race to give you an idea of how big of an event it is. Uh, in fact, the start of the race takes about an hour to get all the waves going. So it's a really, really impressive event. It's it's um, was an awesome experience. One of the one of the cooler events that I've been to, if not one of the you know one of the most awesome events I've I've participated in as far as races go. Uh, so so very very cool. One note on my race report. The details get a little thin toward the end of the race, or I guess mid-race as you go through. Um, but I've still provided, especially in my written report, you know, details from aid station to aid station, the splits, and a little bit of you know what I can remember from those sections of the course uh, for those following along to maybe you know learn a little bit about it. Um, but so each section has its own little detail, um, even though some of it thins out. By the time we circle back to the finish of the race, memory starts to serve me pretty good in the uh, in the written report, uh, especially as we hit the lake and I'm headed to the finish line and and whatnot. So it was a very very cool thing to see that that finish line and and make it over the bridge into Main Street. So the course starts 
at the official Berkey Trailhead in Cable, Wisconsin, and it winds its way southwest through the woods to finish in downtown Hayward, Wisconsin. It also crosses the length of a lake just before dumping you into Hayward. It's a wide path with a couple of road crossings, which is very, very impressive. They actually shut down Route 77 for this race with snow plowed and groomed right across the road. And speaking of shutting roads down, they actually shut down the entire main street of downtown Hayward for the weekend, where the finish line is at. They haul in snow, groom the entire street for a nice finish line shoot that has a slight uphill grade. Plus, you have to mention the bridge that is hauled in and assembled just for the Berkey. The bridge is assembled over Route 63 to avoid shutting down the entire corridor. There is a lot of work that goes into this event. The skate and the classic course both start from the same spot, but split off shortly after starting the race and then reconnect about halfway through the race. This is good as it gives the skaters and classic folks their own course for a good portion of the race, and then they don't reconnect until later when traffic is more thinned out. As far as elevation goes, I can give you a few stats on it. You can actually see the elevation profile in the written report. But it's, it's all hills. Uh, there's really only a few short spots that level out through the entire course, um, except for the lake crossing at the end. Um, the, the course makes you work. Uh, my Training Peaks account uh, shows me that we had 2,105 feet of elevation gain for the course. Uh, and that's a 50K course, 30, 31 miles. Um, so if you're, if you're looking at it, you can see that the course works its way uphill from the start and then eventually starts working its way back downhill. One thing to note is some of the grades of the hills in the final 10K of the course, there's some very steep uphill grades um, that, that uh, when you're already in a pretty deeply fatigued state, kind of can bury you. So it's, it's, a, it's a pretty impressive event, and it's a, it's a very tough event, uh, at least from my perspective. Uh, as far as getting to the Berkey start line, uh, I drove up to Hayward on Friday to pick up my, uh, my bib, get my, my cool Berkey backpack. That would be my drop bag. Um, you can use the plastic bag that they give you, or you can, uh, I can't remember. It's not very expensive. It's pretty cheap to get this backpack and use that as your, uh, your drop bag. So the expo was pretty cool. Got to kind of check out the the Berkey scene on Friday. Um, run into some people I know, so that was really fun. We didn't, uh, you know, plan things out too far in advance, so we didn't get a place in Hayward to stay. So I drove back toward home, met my wife and kids at a hotel in Hinkley, Minnesota. Doesn't save us a ton of time from driving, but it saves us probably a 45-minute of driving in the morning and it kind of made it more of a fun, fun weekend for the kids anyway. You know, you can pick up your bib at the start line if you wanted to go up that morning, Saturday morning, you just can't get the backpack. Uh, and then it's, it's kind of nice. I mean, I learned this too with the mountain bike races. It's kind of nice to have your stuff Friday night if, if it works out, if you can. So you can't park at the start line itself. Um, I, there, there may be a situation where maybe you can pay in to park at the start line or something like that, and maybe there's some very, very few preferred spots or something, but I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I don't think for the masses it's possible. They really had like a really good setup for the, the mass parking area. Um, they had parking outside of town where buses would pick you up, take you to the start line. 
Um, it honestly, for, for me, it was a total non issue, pretty relaxed start. Um, you know, I got off the bus at the start line. My wife and kids actually rode the bus over there with us. And when we got off the start line, I wrote this in my race report. I was, I was in awe. I mean, of how big this scene was. I'd never seen so many skis in my life. Um, it was a really awesome sight to see. So there was, there were skis all over the place, huge tent, a barn, tons of people, uh, they had drop bag vehicles all set up, Porta Johns, as far as the eye could see. It was, pre- it was impressive. Uh, I arrived there about an hour before my wave start, just in time to hear wave one take off, basically. Um, the race is organized in waves for the start to separate out the traffic. Works much like the Check 40, where each time you do the race, you can try moving up in waves as you achieve faster finishing times. The difference is that the Berkey waves actually start at different times and you get the chip start time as long as you are not in the elite wave. Uh, I was in the very last wave. So you have all your warm-up stuff and on over your ski suit clothing to stay warm. But about 15 minutes before you start, you need to start peeling it off and get it in, get in line to enter the start gate. So once they let your wave into the start gate, everybody runs up as far as they can to try to get toward the front of the wave. This happens a couple times as they stage the waves. Once your wave is on the start line, it's time to lock into those bindings and wait for the start ribbon to lift. On to the race. Okay, from the start to timber trail. As I mentioned above, I was in the last wave. I was lined up in the tracks about four rows back from the front of the wave. The start ribbon went up and we were off. I was slow. We basically double pulled our way out of the start chute until there was some clearance around us to start skating, but it was really soft. I struggled with it and felt like I was going backwards as people from the rest of the wave started passing me. Shortly after I got to experience the hills that I had heard about after the start where lines form and you end up just walking up without any glide. After about 5k, I was starting to get nervous about how long of a day this might end up being. I was feeling good fitness-wise, but it was slow going for sure. The snow was soft and I was struggling to get in any type of good rhythm. Going into the first aid station was a new experience for me. It was packed and hard to find a spot to grab a quick feed. There were lines forming as people were looking for fluids. I can't remember the difference at this point between the various aid stations, but I think I was actually stopped and tried to... I think I actually stopped and tried to find some fluids at the first one. To Fire Tower. I noticed this more and more as I moved through the aid stations later in the race, but the traffic on the trail seemed to thin out a little more after each aid station. I can assume each aid station was picking up more folks that were stopping and talking and spending a little more time to feed. Therefore, I was moving up the field a bit each time. I don't really remember the various milestone points on the trail. To me, it's all just up and down hills. However, it's mostly uphill in the first part of the race. Up to this point was still slow going for me. The trail was still soft, especially in the uphills, and I just didn't have a good rhythm going. I stopped a few times to drink and then dig into some cliff blocks. I couldn't figure out how to do that while moving quite yet. The entire section was mostly uphill and felt like a slog. I was becoming more concerned about how long this thing was actually going to take me. I can't remember if I stopped for a real long time at this aid station or not. One of them I mostly blew through because the lines were long and I thought I'd try to move past and catch an open feed on the backside of the aid station, but couldn't find one and kept moving. But basically what I did is I had a water bottle with me filled with a nutrition drink. Um, 
I honestly can't remember what it was at this point. It was either some carbo rocket that I still had left from mountain bike season, um, or it might have been some infinite nutrition. Uh, and then I had, I think it was three packages of Cliff Box. Um, they they worked out really well, actually. Um, I, I liked the Cliff Blocks. So, and then it, and actually, it was really helpful having my own bottle. So. It was just kind of like a backup. I knew if all else failed, I had, you know, 24, 26 ounces of fluids that I was going to be able to take in during the race or at least until I ran out of that. So so now I was at Fire Tower. So from Fire Tower to Bowdecker, um, finally some sustained downhill sections. I'm not really sure, but I think this is the long Berkey roller climb during the Check 40 except we went down it in the ski. It was fun, and I think it really gave me a chance to get comfortable and find my balance on the skis. Somewhere in this area might have also been the first of those steeper downhills that I had heard about, where it's pretty much frozen toboggan runs from people snowplowing. Even though I'm new to skiing, I think I have a bit of a comfort level in going fast downhill as I carry as a bit of a carryover from biking. Anyway, I remember coming into one of them and getting locked into one of the toboggan runs to find myself coming up on somebody. I couldn't slow down fast enough, and he had the brakes on hard. I actually started yelling out to him, go, go, go. I can't slow down fast enough. I ended up coming right up on him about the same time a guy went down next to him. He went down also, and then I went down right behind him, and then the guy behind me, etc., etc. It was a good show for the trailside crowd that was gathered in hopes of seeing that very spectacle. So in a lot of the downhills, well, at least if you start at the back end of the race, because of the amount of people that hit them and then start to snowplow, it starts to carve out these like toboggan runs basically in the trail. And there may be four or five, six of them, depending on how wide the trail is at that point. And if you're a good skier, you can probably hop from one to the next. And me, I'm, you know, I'm new at it and I'm not real stable on the skinny cross country skis yet. Um, this year, this year I'm doing a lot better. Um, but, um, but at the time a year ago, the, this, you know, the Berkey was only my eighth, eighth skate ski. So, um, at any rate, you kind of get locked into them. And then if somebody in front of you is, is hitting the brakes and going really slow, I mean, you either got to try to stop jump out of it or you're going to run into the back of them and and you'd start getting stacked up like dominoes and it was it was pretty wild it was fun um but it was uh you know you'd kind of learn as you were coming into one of them um to kind of start paying attention of like who was in front of you and try to remember like if it was somebody that you were coming up on fast in the downhills you know don't jump in a toboggan run behind them um for myself I was probably pretty good, you know, fast on some of the downhill stuff and would kind of let it rip, but I wasn't as fast on the flats or the, or the climb. So I remember skiing a lot and I might, you know, pass somebody on a downhill and then they'd pass me on the, the next uphill or, or the flat or, or whatever it might be. So just depending on where, you know, where the comfort levels were at. So, so on to double O. So I think it was around this point that I started actually getting more comfortable and getting into rhythm. It's really hard to say when and where. Um, the Berkey is all up and down hills, and I have a hard time remembering back 
many of the sequence of events like I do with mountain bike races. I do remember specific hills and parts of the trail long away, but I really can't remember where some of those hills were actually at. At any rate, I was also starting to get the aid station stuff figured out by this time as well. It might have been because the traffic was thinned out, but it seemed like I was able to ski into the aid station, grab some fluids quickly, and be on my way. So a note about the aid stations. Um, especially early in, you come into them and there'd just be tons of people. And so, uh, and they would have plain water and then there was some nutrition drink too. And you could get like really stacked up in the lines. And so kind of my strategy or my thought was, well, I'll try to like ski past that a little bit and made an assumption, sometimes a bad one, uh, that I could kind of ski through and then catch some feet on the backside of the aid station. And, you know, there, maybe there wouldn't be as many people stacked up there. Um, in most cases that, that seemed to be fairly accurate because people would come into the aid stations and then kind of just go right, stop and start lining up at the very first spot. But then on the backside of the aid station, um, there was way less people because everybody was kind of blocked up at the, at the front of it. So if, if half the people in the aid stations would kind of filter through and kind of keep skiing through, it, it might've been, you know, potentially more efficient. I'm not sure, but I will say that assumption was wrong, particularly in one case. I remember doing that in one case and completely missing out on getting a feed, um, because there wasn't any open fluid station. The lines were kind of, you know, long all the way through it. So I ended up just skiing on, um, which brings me back to, it was nice to have that that water bottle and I carried my water bottle in a, a cycling Jersey. So I had my, my ski kit on, um, my cyclova ski kit. And then I, I had a, a bike Jersey over the top of it. And that's what I actually kept my, my cliff blocks in and, uh, my water bottle. So anyway, from there to gravel pit, um, traffic was really thinning out after double O. And I think this is where the trail widens out uh, for a little bit. Um, I felt okay here. And if I remember correctly, and this is when I say this, this is me actually reading in my, my report that I wrote last year. Uh, I think I was starting to get in a much better rhythm and was slowly but surely picking people off and making up spots in traffic at this point. Uh, I think many of the spots I picked up in traffic toward the beginning of the race was more out of being efficient in aid stations. But by this time of the event, I was actually passing people on the skis. And I, thinking back, I do remember that. Yeah. Um, I tried to be as efficient as possible in the downhills and would tuck in as much as I could. You would think the downhills would be a bit of a break, but those quads can start to burn after holding a good tuck time and time again. Then you'd come right out of that tuck into a double pole and then skate again to get up the next hill without losing momentum, if you could help it. Somewhere in there, I took a nice big crash on a slight downhill. I was getting more comfortable to the point that I was uh, skate a little further into the downhills to go faster. I got my ski caught in a rut and splattered myself all over the trail. To Mosquito Brook. I knew there would be some Cyclova crew out at the Mosquito Brook area, but wasn't sure if my wife and kids were going to make it over there. I made it to Mosquito Brook, and it was cool to see um, my wife and kids out there with other Cyclova folks. They all looked like they were having a great time. I didn't stop, though, as I was in a good rhythm and kept going. To Hatchery Creek. 
There were a couple of climbs in here that really got me. I was basically to the point that I wasn't gliding at all anymore on the climbs and was just stepping up them. Or at least I remember that for the two of the big ones. I felt like I was in the home stretch though. I actually skipped this lad station altogether. To the finish. The biggest memory I have here is a lake crossing and finally seeing that bridge over Highway 63. I crossed over Highway 77 and remember somebody yelling out something to the effect of, keep it up first time, Berkey. I was thinking I was close to the lake now, but as it turns out, there were a couple of climbs before we made the descent down to the lake. I was exhausted at this point, and I was definitely struggling on the uphills, but I was giving it everything I was thinking. I was giving it everything as I was thinking we were close. I finally hit the lake and figured this was it. I picked up the effort a bit, and you can see that my heart rate had a bit of a slow and steady climb until the end of the lake crossing before spiking up a bit at the end. And when I say this, you'd have to go back into my written race report because I have each section broken down by elevation and I have my heart rate chart and, and whatnot in there if, if you're curious. So um, I tried getting in a draft across the lake but never could quite match someone else's pace. I didn't want to hold back at this point and sit behind someone going a little slower than I wanted, but then I couldn't keep up with some of the other folks that were on the hammer. The lake was also longer than I thought. I felt like it went on forever. I don't remember the wind being very bad like I had heard it could be. I was just ready for the finish though. I remember finally hitting the end of the lake and then making a left-hand turn and seeing the snow-covered street lined with people. My form was horrible at this point, and I'm terribly inefficient on the skis. I wasn't fast, but I put in one heck of an effort to get to this point, and I started feeling a bit choked up as I realized I had finally made it to the finish. It really hit me when I made that right-hand turn and saw the bridge. I teared up a little with emotion as I struggled to get up the bridge. My legs were spent. I was a little wobbly at the time. I got to the top and had to steady myself a bit before going down the other side. I really didn't want to crash on Main Street. I made it. Then I put in a hard, and later confirmed by pictures, one heck of an ugly effort up Main Street to the finish line. That was hard, but that was one of the most spectacular race finishes I've experienced. I ended up finishing in 4 hours and 38 minutes, and in 2,815th place out of 3,652 racers. Like I said, that's far from anything fast with the leaders this year, or that year, finishing just over two hours, but I feel decent about the finish with my limited amount of skiing. Some final thoughts that I had last year after writing this report up, uh, and I'll read them to you. This whole endurance path thing and me getting back in shape, um, you know, years ago was for stuff like this. I never had the Berkey in mind and quite frankly, didn't know anything about it when I started getting back in shape. But my reason for getting back in shape was to have the ability to go do things like this on a whim. My entire goal with maintaining a fitness level was not to be the fastest guy out there or ever really focus in on one specific thing. Although those that follow me do know that I I love cycling. Anyway, my entire goal was to carry enough fitness to be able to go out and do epic stuff like the Berkey and many other things I've been doing whenever I wanted and be in good enough shape to enjoy it and have a respectable finish. All that being said, I think as human beings, we like to improve at things that we do. 
I love continuous improvement, both from a professional working career level and a personal level. I bring up the working career part as I've spent most of my post-college career working in some level of continuous improvement capacity, and it has carried over to everything else in my life. Anyways, I'm geeked up about improving my ski abilities. Just like I work on my biking capabilities each year and now throwing some trail running into the mix, this whole subject could probably use its own write-up in post on its own down the road. Anyway, as I finished that off, I wrote, I'll see you at the Berkey next year. So I've got some stuff written in the race report as well about my GPS and, and heart rate data. Um, I'm not going to dive into that in the, the report here. I'm going to leave that. You can read the the race report itself for that. Another link that I have in the race report, it's, a, it's an affiliate link as well, to a book on Amazon called Beyond Berkey Fever by Walter Reen. So uh, somebody that I had worked with a few years ago loaned me that book. I read that book, and that was kind of my introduction to the Berkey. It was a, it's a really good read. It's an entertaining read. And... Um, uh, I, I highly recommend reading it if you're have any interest in the Berkey or just curious of what it's about. Um, but it, it might get you booked. So, uh, hooked anyways, thanks for listening. Uh, check out the, uh, written report. If you want to see some of the images of the maps and the elevation profiles and some of the data, that type of thing. But, uh, thanks for tuning in.